and welcome to the That's What She Said podcast. My name is Alexa Dat. I'm here with producer Kyle, and we are in the Red Bull Studios in Lower Manhattan in Chelsea. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about the NBA All-Star Weekend and all the festivities that went along with that. We're also going to get into Dwight Howard's pet snakes, because we have an awesome special guest with us here today, chief correspondent for the Players' Tribune, so official, Ben Lyons is here. Hey, Ben, what's going on? aspiring zoologist, apparently. Yeah, apparently. For my knowledge of exotic snakes. You with those snakes looked unbelievable. You could not get out there fast enough. But first, okay, let's start with the NBA All-Star Weekend. Sure. You were there in Toronto. It's freezing. So cold. No, like, I, I know everyone says, oh, it's cold, it's cold. I, I've never experienced cold like that. You ever seen the movie The Road with Charlize and Viggo Mortensen? It's like the end of the world. It's the apocalypse. <laughs> I've never seen it. That's what it felt like. Okay. Um, yeah, minus 11, minus 26 on the wind chill. Yikes. 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 But were you, were you there time. for all the festivities? No, I went up for the Air Jordan party on Friday night okay. um, and hosted the live stream. So I interviewed all the Jordan brand athletes. Uh, there are seven of them in the game, uh, including Carmelo Anthony and uh-huh. Lala. Uh, so I got to talk to them, which obviously, you know, I'm a huge fan. So that was fun. Did you find it weird that Carmelo introduced Sting? Did you think that that part was weird just, at all? I just thought it was weird that Sting was there. Right. I, I, the NBA does a really good job, I think, traditionally with their all-star festivities. But there are a couple little decisions here and there that make you go, that's interesting. When Steph Curry came to play at the Garden, I was in the NBA suite when the conversations were hey. happening between the NBA and OVO to try and get Drake to perform. And I was kind of you know, eavesdropping and listening in to, onto what was going on. And essentially, Drake was too expensive because they couldn't get him to drop his rate. So he was only paid to host and stand there and say like 10 words. And Justin Bieber was having ear surgery, which nobody knew about. And he ended up performing at the Grammys a couple of days later, but he wasn't healthy enough to perform at the All-Star Weekend. So all of their Canadians that they have on their roster were you know either too expensive or couldn't show up because of health reasons. Your your husband will appreciate this. What about Cardinal Official? Come on, like right. Toronto's own. There, you can't get Cardi up there. There have to have been so many other Canadians that could have made that work out. Sting uh, apparently was their only option, their cheapest option. I'm assuming. You know the guys who were playing in the game just want Migos and Future anyway. Right. So exactly. Whoever they're going to pick is going to be weird. It's not like as much of a thing. As who's playing the Super Bowl, as who's playing All-Star, it's not a thing. It's not that much of a thing, but it's still kind of a thing still because kind of people a thing. were annoyed by Sting. Nobody really understood it. You're speaking to a weird audience. Well, listen, you can't be annoyed with Sting. Like, he's Sting. He gets a hall pass to play wherever he wants, but it's kind of an odd choice, it's for, an odd choice. for the NBA. What did you think about all of the festivities in general? Oh, What's Saturday night was fantastic. Yeah. I think next year down in Charlotte, they should just have Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine and no other contestants. Do you think just Aaron Gordon got robbed? Um, I think history will show that he had the better collection of dunks. Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge all-star Saturday night guy, and they always – say at some point during the contest, someone screams for no reason, the dunk contest is back. They say it every year. Every year. It's like when all these politicians are saying, let's make America great again. Well, when was it great? Like, when was it not great? Right. Um, so I love All-Star Saturday Night. I thought this year's dunk contest was killer. Um, yeah, I, it's a little too much Kevin Hart. We're all fans of Kevin Hart. He's great. But like five years in a row, he's just been he, in the shootout, in the 
game and the thing, and it's just a lot of Kevin Hart. So that's one way to go. I actually love having Kevin Hart. I can't get enough of it, only because I originally thought that it was going to be too much when it was. He was like, "Oh, Draymond Green, let's go for it. We're going to do the three point shootout." And I was like, "Come on, this is going to be whack. No one's going to be into this." But they brought out Michael Buffer. That I thought was cool. And then they, he actually made it a competition, and everyone went crazy. So that I was actually pleased with. So I was like, "All right, you know what? I'm going to lay off hating on Kevin Hart." Because he, he actually did his thing. I was impressed. I'd like to see Kevin Hart kind of take a step back and maybe go like Dead Poet Society and try and get that Oscar. Like, <laughs> I think Kevin Hart could do serious, dramatic work, and I think it'd be a good look for him right now. Really? Yeah, why like, not? Like yeah. actual Dead Poet Society? Or like, are you just kidding around? No, like, don't do a remake of Dead Poet Society, but the way that Robin Williams was able to switch gears and become a well-respected, serious actor. I think you see that with a lot of comedic talents and and he'd be really killer at it but he's killing the comedy game yeah, so he's rich. he's cleaning house he's super rich. aren't you aren't you a little bit worried though that he might go like dane coke where it was just too much and then we don't want to see him anymore that could just, be an or, issue. or chris tucker it just yeah. kind of like burns out after a while even jim carrey had to try to go dramatic and didn't fully get there what about adam sandler with switch or click or whatever that movie was well, you know what i'm talking about yeah of course well, that's the thing. that was a terrible movie you you see you get like a good stand-up comedian or just a good comedian who's on snl and then they're like oh my god make movies with him and then you have seen too much well some are of them we, can do it like jason sudeikis i think switches over well so now oh we're pairing up dwayne uh dwayne johnson and kevin hart isn't that hilarious i'm, I'm a little really bit tiny i'm a little really bit excited for yeah that, sure. I'm a little bit yeah excited i guess that. i don't know I just believe that Kevin Hart could someday be nominated for an Oscar, and it's a crazy thing to come out of my mouth. Look at Steve Carell. Steve Carell got nominated for Foxcatcher. Like, it's a role you never would have thought he would have played. That's true. But he did have great dramatic pieces when he was on The Office and d- different stuff that he's done throughout his career. I don't think I've ever seen Kevin Hart be serious and, and me be like, oh, yeah, you know what? That, that fits him really well. That best, I can see that him best really doing that. best speech and think like a man, too? What are you talking about? I literally don't even know time. what you're talking about. <laughs> That can be a real movie. Just a Think fan like a man of, too. I'm just a fan of Lala's filmography. I can so. tell. Um, Steve Kerr said, don't tell Steph, but I was rooting for Clay Steph to go 1-2 in the three-point shootout. <laughs> what did you think about the three-point shootout? Well, I'm a little biased because I work in Los Angeles with Clay's dad, Michael Thompson, and I love that they showed him up there. And one, he's from the Bahamas, so he's probably miserable with how cold it was in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was super cool. That was cool. That was, I mean, Clay is um, you know, uh, an amazing talent that's sometimes kind of overlooked with everything the Warriors are doing out there. And uh, yeah, that, I thought that was really good. I thought the way they added the big dudes for the skills competition was fun. That was super like, cool. What's not to love about All-Star Saturday Night? And if anything, I feel like the NFL should pay attention because you have all these amazing, charismatic, fun dudes. Like, don't make them play a silly Pro Bowl game. Have them do a skills competition. Have them see who can throw the f- football the farthest and who could catch and throw it through a tire and make up games. That's what they should do. Yeah, we've kind of talked about that on the podcast I feel before. Like, yeah, the last like three weeks we've just been hitting on that. Right. And I feel gets it wrong out of all of them. Like if you were to rank them, what would well, you like? How hockey would you did rank? it well this year, right? We talked about that because the shoot, you know, the skills competition for hockey was great. Yeah, ho- but hockey's on its own island, you know. For baseball, I think they get it the most wrong because the game actually has implications yeah. into how your but people league watch is it. historically decided. I mean, well, people- well, and that's the only reason that it they don't get it completely wrong is because people actually do watch it. Yeah, but people don't watch it because they're like, I gotta see who's getting home field advantage in three months. Yeah, no, I think people do. 
What? Yeah. Like baseball you, fans are crazy. If you I think ha- it's on in July and there isn't anything else to do. Well, yes, that's part of it too. It's, but if you July, have a team a that is a contender that year or is a front runner, I don't know. I think you're paying more attention than you normally do. You're like a Kansas City Royals fan. You're sitting there. You're like rooting for Big Poppy to get a home run in the third inning. Like it's so dumb. What that- about the home run derby though? Um, it's like glorified batting practice. I, I've never really been oh, a big I home love run it. derby. It's dunk contest over the derby. Like the derby's for day. kids. For though. sure, but the derby's really for kids. More well, so than like us. It's nice to take a step back and realize that I think all this stuff's for children. <laughs> like, right, that's, that's, a good, that's a good point. It, it kind of all is yeah. for We're kids. We're all just big kids. Yeah, it's pretty much what it yeah, is. Yeah, me more than anyone. What about the All-Star game? Would you get rid of the All-Star the NBA All-Star game? Oh, it's a, it's the All-Star game's great. It's yeah. fun pickup. Yeah, they don't play any defense, so what? You don't um, have a problem with no, them not playing like, defense. Not at all. And then I think I think the guys could try a little harder just to kind of slow slow down the game a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. But it's like the best pickup game in the world, and anybody who's been, like ever been to a basketball camp or played in high school like knows the feeling of those All Star games. Yeah, and that's at the highest level, and, and it's a, it's a good check in too to see like what else is going on in the league. You hear the announcers talk through different storylines, trade deadline coming up. I love the All Star game. Yeah, I had a good time. I watched it. I had, and you watched it from home. You came back afterwards. Well, did you see anyone Alexa, up there? I actually I flew back, uh, and it was Valentine's Day. Ooh, okay. So I watched the game on DVR later mm-hmm. um, because I went to a sound bath with my fiance. Are you familiar with a sound bath? I think so. If it's the same thing, I'm living that in I'm California now. It. We're doing some hippy dippy fun okay, stuff. Okay, what's a sound bath? So a sound bath is when you lie down in a room, like you're on like these meditation pillows and these blankets. You close your eyes. And then they play a series of uh, gongs and chimes and bowls <laughs> and music that create different vibrations within your body. Okay. And over the course of an hour, along your root chakra, so uh-huh. down your, your center of your body, you get all these different vibrations that open up all this clarity. Okay. Did you feel more clear yeah, afterwards? Yeah, absolutely. Laser focused. Uh-huh. Uh, I did that, and then I watched the All-Star Game on TV. Would you do it again? I, I did one the night uh, two nights before the Golden Globes because the Golden Globes is like the least zen place in the world. Right, it's, it's, there's a lot going on. It's a lot going on. Yeah, uh, yeah. I did it with uh, acupuncture in my in my, along my like skull, my face. You ever had a needle put in your face? No, but I heard oh, acupuncture is great for you. Yeah, You're, Peter needs some 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 of this stuff. Yeah. He needs some sound baths and some <laughs> some acupuncture. He needs to kind of. I'm put, sure he'd really go for that. Put the Snapchat down just for like an hour. <laughs> the short form content. It's a major key. Is it's that what you're a, saying? It's a major key is to is to meditate and to have a little sound bath in your life. So I did that on Valentine's Day. How often do you do so? The sound baths is that something that you're going to continue to do? I've only done them twice. Keep it in I'm, your routine. I'm super into them. Yeah, I'm, uh-huh. especially before and you know. You have to work a big event and you kind of get in a headspace and you're kind of stressed out yeah. and kind of put all that anxiety aside. You play basketball too. Isn't that an outlet for you? Yeah, but like playing in my pickup game on Saturday morning isn't really the same thing to okay. like mentally get you in the in the bright mind frame. But yeah, I'm starting to get more into because my fiance is all about it. She's got a meditation radio show. And, oh, nice. Oh, yeah. And she's teaching and doing the whole thing. So I kind of pop in and pop out. Well, yeah, and you have a great mentor, right? She can teach you all the cool stuff about it. Oh, yeah. She did a little Reiki the other night. Woo! Moving, wow. Moving energy around. Wow. We're moving, you, you we're moving are, energy around in this room right you now. You are so sold on this. I love it. Oh, my God. He has bought in 110%. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They are just taking your money. Um, <laughs> you know what I thought that you were going to say when you meant sound bath? Is my friends in Brooklyn do this thing now where you lay in a dark um, dunk tank, essentially. Have you heard this? No. And it's all, uh, it's very high concentrated salt water. So you float on the top and it's all, it's 100% dark 
and your ears go underwater. So you just hear the sounds of being underwater and you're floating. And you do that in this dark dunk tank, essentially, for like half an hour. See, we have like a drought in Los Angeles, so we, we have to do sound baths without water. <laughs> yeah, they can't, but they can't be wasting water on sound That sounds Well, you can do it in New York. Great. You're here often enough. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, so my friends were, and I thought that that's what you meant, but it's not. But it's another way to- Now, the Russian and Turkish baths, those are different out in Brooklyn. Those are different. That's, yeah, they just beat you with sticks. Yeah, you like saw Viggo Mortensen yeah. at the end of Eastern Promises. You do a lot of traveling between LA and New York. What do you like better? Uh, or do you like being bi-coastal? New York is home. I live in LA. Does that make sense? Like I love. I've been in LA ten years. Play golf in January. You have half a brain, just like half a brain, not a full brain, just half a brain, already ahead of like ninety-five percent of the population out there. Yeah. And I got to. I moved out there with people I grew up with, like my friends from you know first grade all the way through. We all moved out there. Uh-huh. So that I think made it a little easier. But but yeah, New York's home. But I live in LA. So you got to hang out with Mello during the NBA All Star break. <laughs> I did. What, what's your guys' relationship like? Because you're a huge Knicks fan, and you've gotten to know him over the years. Yeah. he. Um, well, I'd first met Lala before I met Mello. Okay. And um, Get in through the wife. Right? Yeah. Why do you think we're doing this podcast? <laughs> Trying to get on Hot 97. Um, and, he, and, and so he was aware of me through her, but then I'm just shameless with my fandom. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, I'm such a big fan of his and of the Knicks. Um, that now I've just nerded out in front of him probably like 11 times. Yeah. I was on a flight to Toronto. He was sitting first class, and I just made an announcement to the entire cabin. I said, if the gentleman in 3A needs anything at all, please don't let him get up from his seat. If we can send some ice and some treatment or, oh or on the time of the descent, God. he was not happy about that. I'm <laughs> sure not. Um, yeah, yeah, and I hosted a shoe, like a shoe release thing for him for, for Jordan Brand. Um, so, yeah, I've done – He's like, it's nice that he's actually seen me be somewhat professional. Uh-huh. So I think that goes a long way. Right. So you're not just like the goofy kid that knows his wife. Yeah. I, like one time I finagled it so I could be one of the 7th Avenue, like 7th Avenue squad members at the garden. They're like the male cheerleaders who run around and shoot out t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. So I did that for a game. And during a timeout, he looked over and was like, what are, what are you doing? I, like, <laughs> I don't know. This is crazy. Um, so yeah, I don't care. I'm just like, I'm not trying to be cool. Right. That went out the window a long time ago. Well, yeah, that's been proven on your show, Real Fan Life, which is really interesting. Um, You're like a real fan, and you don't really have any bones about being the awkward, you know, kind of crazy (laughs) guy who's willing to say or do whatever the athlete is willing to do. I'm I'm, I'm lucky that I'm a real fan with real access, right? Is that I get to go to these players' houses and to be with their families or see them away from uh, the court or the field and actually get to spend some time with them. But... I'm a fan. Like, this is really, I just try and do, and I don't know if you feel like this way because you do a lot of cool stuff. Do you just want to make like the 12 year old version of yourself proud? There's like a little 12 year old Alexa who's out there somewhere in the universe. You just want her to be like, wow, she, like, I grew up pretty cool. Yeah. I think a lot of the stuff that I've done already, my 12 year old self would be like, whoa. Yeah. That was un- that was crazy. That's awesome. Just, now I have to start impressing that- like my thirty year old self <laughs> and like my you know future my parents and, and, and people make- that other than nah, matter. If you just make your twelve year old self like super proud of the person you are, you'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. I want to go through some of the episodes where you had amazing, amazing access to these athletes. So let's start with Strahan. Right, so you were in his dressing room after he hosted his national TV show. I'm surprised he had time because he had, you know, he's Good Morning America and his own show and the book and the suits and the fox. And yeah, so he's a busy dude. You guys jumped right into the sack record. That was the first thing that you talked to him about. 
And he wouldn't give up that it was staged. Do you think it was staged? Did you believe that he said that it wasn't staged? You know, that answer where he says, we're football players. We're not that smart. Like, that that feels a little rehearsed to me. It has to. And I think it was just the way that Brett fell. Right. Um, I do believe. And it was the last play of the game. I do believe the way that Michael said that the sack record for the Giants was actually more important to him. Right. Because when you play for one of those franchises, right, those, like, the premier franchises of a given sport, that that, that history just internally at the team mm-hmm. is so powerful and important. He's talking about passing, you know, Lawrence Taylor. Right. That's a big deal. Um, so I could see him caring about that more than the, the one that he tackled Favre on or he fell on Favre for or whatever. Right, right. Um, I think it adds to the legend, to be honest. I kind of like that there's this um, confusion or this conspiracy theory around that. Well, I can't think of other records in sports that have that kind of stigma attached to them. So no, that's I kinda, the main I, one. As opposed to, oh, he you know, got off the line and sacked him. We wouldn't be talking about it now. So I, I like that there's some mystery around it. Although he did say to you that it wasn't worth it after all the grief that he's been given because people thought it was staged. Yeah, right? So so here he is 10 years later, however many years later, and some kids in his dressing room after a show and being like, oh, is your record fake? You know, he's like, <laughs> I really? I still got to deal with this? You left out some kid in an Eagles shirt. Talking to Strahan. All right, so here's the thing. So I'm a lifelong Philadelphia Eagles fan. Yeah, how did that happen? Um, my father's a huge Red Sox fan, and he's from New York City. Uh, and I loved Randall Cunningham when I was a kid, eight, nine years old. And I think looking up to my father, I thought, oh, let me be the out-of-town like fan. Like, that's what you do. Um, bad choice for yeah, a nine-year-old. Not, not working um, out. One, the city of Philadelphia is disgusting. Um, <laughs> the fans are awful. At the, at, at the old vet, I, I went to the last game with the vet. Um, and then even at Lincoln Financial, I went this year to, to Lincoln, and it's terrifying. Like, going to football games is really scary. Well, especially if you go see the Eagles play. We're oh never going to get anyone Going from to Philly, Philly is terrible. No one from Philly is ever coming on this show, because this is like the ninth time we've just trashed Philly. Just, no, yeah. but they get trashed all the time. Philly's fans are aware of their own reputation. I wore a burgundy long sleeve shirt. I'm a Redskins fan. We wouldn't, Peter wouldn't let us wear anything with Redskins logos on it. Just the burgundy shirt. And I'm a girl. And I got harassed just getting into the park, you know, through the parking lot into the stadium. They're crazy. I sat in the upper deck this year for Monday Night Football, and I saw a 55-year-old woman throw a full beer at like a 24 year old bro with his shirt off and just hit him in the back of the head like the Eagles were up 20 like, I didn't what <laughs> they were both rooting for the Eagles I know this woman just threw a beer and it's never gonna end the crab fries are delicious crab fries you think it's french fries with crab on it it's not it's the seasoning that has like some crab flavor well you know it. where that comes from right I know you're Maryland crab. No, 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 no! Don't Whatever. dismiss this. This it's comes delicious. from Old Bay, it's, it's which really is good from the, the Chesapeake Bay, which is Maryland. All right, I don't want to talk about any crab fries from Philly. So you guys good. have your cheesesteaks. That's about enough. But they don't even do them right. Cheese weighs on a cheesesteak is a travesty. No, it, provolone. That's the, the only way to go. Is intense. I mean, they and have a version that has provolone yeah, I know, on but it. But they're, they're they're pretty. They push the cheese whiz in Philly pretty hard, and that's that's wrong. And so and so here's some an interesting development. So when I shot that with Strahan, I was an Eagles fan, and I have been my entire life. Um, but since the Rams have come to Los Angeles, I'm 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 making the switch. Oh, interesting. This is a big deal for me. I had some soul searching, a little ayahuasca journey. Had to like figure some stuff out, go for the like into the desert and just scream at the moon. I'm I'm a Rams fan now. I live in Los Angeles. The Rams are back. Whoa. No more Eagles. It's been twenty eight years of just pretty average, a little above football. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened. Fired Chip Kelly. They beat the Patriots this year. How dare they? It was so stupid this yeah. season. Yeah. 
Riley Cooper. I'm done. I'm done. Good. Now hey, you can get the Todd listen. Gurley jersey and be good to go. Right? That's what I'm saying. I respect it because when the Nationals came to D.C. and I was living in D.C. Yeah, I was an Orioles fan at the time. And I'd grown up, you know, on Cal and Brady Anderson and Palmero and all those guys. And when they put a team in my backyard, I, I didn't just switch automatically. I did some soul searching. But I realized that because there's a team now in my backyard and I have this affiliation to D.C., not to Baltimore. I'm not a Ravens fan. I had to switch. And it's, you know, it's a little bit different, but well, just now, in terms well, now, of... Well, now, hold on. Now, now your life is super complicated. Because I work for the Mets. Yeah. How yeah. does that happen? I have an affinity for the Mets because I know the players, but I don't root for the Mets uh, to do well over the Nationals. Although it was fun standing on the field during the World Series, I will tell you that much. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of a, a catch-22 because they give me awesome opportunities. Right. But I'm a Nationals fan. And... What the I, yeah, but there's a nice little rivalry that's starting to like go between the Nationals and the Mets. And oh, you're yeah. right at the center of it. Oh yeah. Two years ago when I started working for the Mets, it wasn't a rivalry it wasn't a at thing. all. So you're like, I got this. I'm right. totally fine. Didn't matter. A hundred, you know, fifty-four nights a year, it doesn't matter. Yep. But now it's a thing. Last year it mattered. And wow. they gave up eight runs over four innings through their bullpen. Cespedes cranks that one out of the park. Rivalry. Let's go. Well, and just how it played out to the end of the season getting into the playoffs and all yeah. that situation and how everyone's waiting for the Mets to collapse and they didn't. Have fun going down to spring training in a few day, in a few weeks. No, I love it. Listen, I love this team. These guys are great. They actually had a couple guys on the team that I wasn't a huge fan of. They're gone now. Mm-hmm. So everyone on this team is just their pure, nice, gentleman So you go down, you go down to Florida guys. for spring training? Yeah, I do. Oh, so cool. I sideline report for SNY for a couple games nice. and I do some of their um, talkbacks for their studio oh, shows. Spring training's the best. Great air conditioning in Florida. Mm-hmm. Like you go in any restaurant and it just hits you like a wall of cool air. It's really nice. But I love the outside. I love, it. I love Florida culture. It's not that hot. You go to any when gas station there. and get some like cool hat. You know what I mean? Like that. That Peter will be like, "Whoa, where'd you get that?" Hat? All right, the culture is flat, <laughs> but the baseball. I'm serious. Is fun. I love Florida culture. <laughs> I want to I want to. I, I have a question. Yes. Okay. okay. So, so you've got this podcast. You're yep. sideline reporting. Yeah. Uh, Peter's got his morning radio show, the afternoon show, all the podcasts and stuff. Like, yeah. Like you're. Your relationship is really based on a, on a large part of like 21st century media cult, like technology. Yeah. Like, where, if let's say you guys met in like the 60s. Yeah. Like, what would you guys be doing like in the 60s? Would he be, he'd be like a, a radio host with a big microphone. Yeah. And you'd be, you know, call, like a news reporter for Channel 11 in New York. Like, how would you, no podcasting? No, no podcasting, but podcasting for us just started. I mean, he started a couple years ago and I just started in November. So yeah. that's been new, very, you, very new. You have three podcasts come out of your home. Uh, four. Four. He just started one with Mike Tyson. <laughs> he did? Yeah. Really? <laughs> to talk about what? To talk about it's like Mike, Mike Tyson. Tyson stuff. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, Peter's so the biggest got... Mike Tyson fan, so he knows all about his life and he, right. has, he has guests on. That Flavor Flav, Dana White. Okay. So you, all got, the, of these so you got the Tyson podcast. Uh, you got this podcast. You got the one with Cypher Sounds one still. One Epstein. Epstein. And the, the the major, the wrestling Cheap one. Cheap Heat, the wrestling one. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot of it's a lot of content. Yeah, it's fun. Well, I mean, we would have found another way to get our opinion and our voice out there, right? Yeah. Whether it would have been through the Writing news newspapers or... newspapers or something. I mean, I started a newspaper. When I was in high school, I was the editor-in-chief of my high school newspaper. So, I, you very know... Zuckerman of you. Very Andrea Zuckerman. That's right, yeah. Thanks. So that's what I probably would have been doing back then. What would you have been doing in the 60s? I don't know. I, I, like, I always wish I was like the right age to be a, like a VJ in the 90s at MTV. That would have been awesome. Just I feel go to like the beach you, house. I would have been Simon Ray. It would have been great. You would have fit in that role oh. perfectly. Ah, uh, Bill Bellamy, Simon Rex. 
Me, I'm having a great time down in Jersey Shore. You grew up in a strong journalism household. Yeah. Both your grandfather and your dad were New York journalists. Yeah, my dad, my dad wants to do now is work. He's 71. All he wants to do is work. And did you want to be a journalist? Was that your goal? I kind of, I wanted to be Russell Simmons. I wanted to manage rappers and produce hip hop stuff. Yeah. I, I was right out of college and was managing a couple different rappers and Produced a Bone Thugs and Harmony video. Uh-huh. Um, I worked with Duck Down Records. Uh, so yeah, that's what I wanted to do, and then kind of fell into the family business by accident, I guess, certain circumstance. Okay, so yeah. I was reading about you, right? I'm doing uh-huh. all this research, uh-huh. and the headline for one of the articles that was written about you was that you had a rocky stint as Roger Ebert's replacement on the TV show At the Movies. That you had film bloggers, columnists, movie critics. All calling for your head because you were a 27-year-old kid that they felt like you didn't earn your spot there. What happened? I got a job uh, at 27 years old to talk about movies. And I've been talking about movies on TV for a few years before that. Okay. Um, And yeah, the LA Times said I was a downfall of American media. It's a lot for a 27-year-old. He's <laughs> what laughing. What the F, LA it's Times? Um, That's so, really harsh. Yeah, it was, it was It was. kind of intense. And and I don't know if, in hindsight, if I handle it the, the best uh, way I should have. Uh-huh. I, I kind of kept my head down and just did my work. Yeah. Maybe I should have, like, Kanye'd out a little bit and, and kind of fought back and said, Well, because one of the points of the article was that but, you didn't. You were called for comment and didn't feel like commenting. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I, you know, I, I didn't really care to comment on, on, on the, at the time. In hindsight, it seems really silly, right? Of people criticizing the way that I criticize work, and at the end of the day, anybody who knew me or worked with me, like, always enjoyed talking film. And I remember I did the at the movie show for a year, um, and then the, the day after, like, my contract was with them was done. I hosted at the DGA in Los Angeles a uh, night of short films and did like an hour Q and A with Demi Moore, who had directed something there. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, like. They can scream at you and say all this wild stuff and, you know, it can be, you can have ups and downs in your career, but you're meant to be doing this. Like you're going to have new opportunities and you're going to, so I always love when I'm at a film festival. I was at Sundance two weeks ago Uh and I saw one of those blogger dudes and I made my way over and he ran out of the theater. Wow. Which has happened with this dude before. And I think to myself, what does he say now? Man, there's Ben Lyons at Sundance for the 11th year covering. He doesn't know what he's doing. Well, what? You know, I still get to do what I love to do. So the fact that no one could take that away from me, I was totally fine with. But yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot to handle. Do you think that they were jealous? Do you think that they were just looking at the lineage in your family history in terms of how you got there? What do you think that they were actually criticizing? Because criticizing somebody's criticism seems silly, right? I think uh, anytime... Somebody has an opportunity that's presented to them and they're a little young by other people's standards. Like people people get really tight about that. People get fired up. Oh, yeah. they're too young for that. So anytime you see a young person like step into a role that maybe they are a little young for, that that, that kind of sets people off. And then yeah, obviously the fact my dad was a, is still a film critic and I was in the same family business that raised a lot of eyebrows. You know, the film criticism community has changed a lot over the years Uh now you know essentially everyone's a critic with their twitter account you walk out of a movie and say whatever you want and i always kind of approach it that way is that we're all we're all critics like we all have an opinion let's all get in the conversation together right and it wasn't like that from the 70s and 80s you know there was a handful and to, to make a living by watching other people's work and then talking about it. I mean, that's a pretty absurd way to make a living in, in the first place. Uh-huh. So the fact that you can do it and you can do it at a young age and do it with some success, I totally understand why people were pissed off. But 
if and also Ebert wasn't a fan of mine. I wasn't a fan of his. My father was never a fan of his. Um, he was really rude and nasty over the years to a lot of people he worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was that. But I, I don't know, man. I, that's, it's like so. I, I really do genuinely kind of smile and look back at that time, being like, "Why do people care so much?" I'd be out at film festivals or, or premieres and screenings, and everybody was super positive to your face. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, that, that that's also a validation of where you're at. Nobody's writing shit about somebody that they haven't heard of or they aren't watching. I mean, there was one guy who was transcribing every single show that I did. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, like that's your, that's, I do the show on Friday or Saturday and your Sunday morning is transcribing my work right. to pick I'm it apart. Right, your life. Yeah. No doubt, dude. Like, have fun. Right. Enjoy your weekend. Do you think going through that experience <laughs> helped you, you know, in anything else that you'd have to deal with career-wise in terms of haters on Twitter, or in terms of any sort of negative feedback you've gotten? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It definitely um, opened me up to the idea that no opportunity lasts forever. So mm-hmm. you just make it, make it yours while you have it. Um, you're going to get knocked down, but you're going to get back up too. Uh-huh. I, and, and I know that's like a kind of a cliche thing that's thrown around, but I can't think of one person in Hollywood uh, on any level that hasn't been knocked down. Whether you're talking about a big time actor, a struggling actor, or a director, you're always a roll away from from a misstep, and yeah. and so many of them, um, God, have been more serious than that. I mean, with drug abuse or you know personal issues and stuff, like people overcome a lot of stuff. So yeah. it was nice to at that point in my career to have something like a little check in to say, okay, how are you gonna reinvent yourself? How are you gonna bounce back from this? And I feel like I'm in a better place for it. So. Well especially being young and being able to have learned from that is so big. So when Peter went through, you know, different struggles that he went through in his career, I feel like that those were kind of my points to learn from. And I'm still gonna go through things that I'm gonna learn from too, but having him was so huge being, you know, hated on by so many different people for his opinions and things that he said and, you know, ways that he felt that obviously didn't go with how other people felt. All of that has been a huge eye-opening experience for me, watching him and how he dealt with it. And, you know, when he's been down about it and basically picking himself back up, that eventually translates to me because I can go, oh, great, I saw your scars and how you dealt with it. Now I feel like I'm more confident dealing with these people because I see what it does to you, but I see that you get through it and you survive. What? So when he says he doesn't like a Nicki Minaj song, it becomes international news. Right. That's, that's a testament to the power of his voice. Like if somebody else says that, they don't have that kind of platform. Yes. And they're not in that role, then no one cares. But the night that he said it, Oh. Nikki canceled her show. Oh, yeah. He must he, have been a mess. He was going to lose his job. Totally. The He's whole enti- world's caving in. Yes. His whole life is all like this. Exactly. Good, and though. it was that's- like that for several weeks. So we were on completely uneven ground. We didn't know what was going on. But having him then have gone through that and seen how he comes out on the other end, I mean, it eventually was a good thing for his career. But you don't always see that in the moment, right? So that's a little thing that can end up reminding you and helping you you know, focus and getting the, a little bit bigger picture and understanding that, hey, listen, even though you're going through something terrible right now, eventually it's going to work out. Also, you're in it. Like, it's your world. It's your life. It's your social. Your phone's blowing up. People are hitting you up. Like, the rest of the world's not in it. You no. Walk, you walk through Columbus Circle and the train, like, they're no not No one knows in. what's no, going no on. One, no one sees you and thinks that your whole world's imploding. So right, right. it's fine. Yeah. It's okay. Let's go back to real fan life. Paul Pierce was another one that I watched and I really liked. What did you think about your interaction with Paul Pierce? First of all, Paul Pierce lives in Calabasas uh-huh. um, behind not one but two gates. Never been to a a double-gated community, which I thought was pretty flossy. He lives in a baller-ass house. Yeah, we, 
Paul Pierce has been getting checks in the NBA for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you you realize that when you're in his kind of man cave, he built this bowling alley in his house, and you see photos of him from different All Star games and pictures of him and Michael Jordan and Bill Clinton and all this stuff. And you go, wow, this is a dude who's who's been doing this for a long time. And to think he grew up down the street in Inglewood, mm-hmm. and then now he's in this castle in Calabasas, and his family's there. Um, but he's a Celtic for life, you know. He, he right. kind of bounced around. Obviously, he's got the Brooklyn Nets bowling ball and yeah. a couple photos of him in Washington. But nothing. I mean, the, his basketball court where his kids were playing has got a big Celtics logo on it at the house. But don't you find that bizarre? Because he grew up a Lakers fan, and he's so old school. He won't even let guys on his team wear LeBrons when they're facing LeBron. Which I totally agree with. Which is absurd. I see it happen all the time. You see it with Iverson, where guys which wanted to be AI, so they would wear his shoes, and then if you're playing against him, he's already got an advantage over you. Okay, so if I you're get on that. the court at the same time. Time you shouldn't wear his shoes, but you understand the concept of these guys in general wearing their shoes, right? Because they grew up idolizing Kobe. Of course, they're going to wear Kobe's. Yeah, but if you're trying to compete against Kobe night in and night out. But think about it. There's a 20-year gap between these kids and Kobe. Earlier on in their career, they never thought they were going to face Kobe when they're in high school and stuff like that. They just want to be Kobe. Yeah, they should just be them. Like, that's a good lesson to learn, right? They they don't have their own shoes. Yeah, go get your own shoes. (laughs) Yeah. no, but I, uh, I I love Paul Pierce. I mean, he's he's one of those athletes who's crushed who's, like crushed me so many times. Like, I'm a Nick fan. Yeah. You know, how many nights has Paul Pierce come into the garden, hit a big shot, and played to the crowd? And he loves being the villain. Um, but you got your revenge. Yeah, I beat did, him in bowling. I, I did beat him in bowling. I was I was really proud of that moment. That was that was big for me. And that's the thing with this show is that I hope people are enjoying it. Yeah, it's fun to see professional athletes in their uh, their homes. It, it's just fun for me. It's yeah. like, I'm like, all right, if I'm going to have a g- good time and do this, then maybe it'll translate. But yeah, to beat Paul Pierce in bowling was pretty dope. He looked so defeated. And then he's on the floor doing push-ups. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like mortified for this guy. How but. often do you bowl? I, I I don't bowl sober. That was what I was worried yeah. about too. Is I'm not saying I have to be blackout drunk. But I'm like, you go bowling with your friends, you drink. Yeah. You know what I mean? A little liquid confidence. You got to feel yeah. like he wakes up and just he he bowls because it's in his house. That's what I'm thinking. Did yeah. you ask him how often he bowls? Yeah, they bowl a lot. Yeah, um, and then you beat him. And then I beat him. He tried to do some weird spin. I remember years ago out in Vegas. And I didn't know him at the time. Just seeing him at a craps table and the way he threw the dice, I was like, whoa, it's super. It's, it's like how Paul Pierce would throw dice. It's like cooler than all of us. And it was just like this very unorthodox spin. And sure enough, he had that on his on his bowling motion or whatever. Do you feel like he opened up to you as much as other athletes opened up to you? Yeah, I think I think Paul is is at a stage of his career where it's like it's all on the table. He's got his ring. So, you know, there's nothing you can kind of criticize him for. He's left it all out there. He's been through a lot in yeah. his life. Um yeah. He's done a bunch of stuff with the Players Tribune. He knows that like our platform is a place to celebrate these guys. So yeah, I think in him telling stories about playing Magic Johnson in high school and stuff like that. Yeah, I think he's totally open. And I only ask that because he seemed a little bit more reserved to me than some of the other guys that you got access to. And I don't know if that's a generational thing. It's a or... generational thing. It's also eleven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, and he's planning for a Halloween party that night. But that could be it. But too. he also just—it's Paul Pierce. There's just like a, a quiet confidence to him, and like a yeah. cool, a cool kind of Cali 
vibe as a, I don't know. I mean, he, you know who I actually w- was really impressed with, who I thought would be more guarded was LaMarcus Aldridge. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm going in there on my 60 minutes trying to get some newsworthy thing. You're just yeah. trying to show their personality. Like LaMarcus has been in the league nine years. Who is that dude? Yeah. Like, nobody knows who LaMarcus Aldridge is or yeah. what he's into. And to spend time with him in San Antonio and have him talk about his kids and his cars and his life and stuff. I was like, oh, that's a cool bro. He's 30 years old. He's, he's like been in the league. He's had ups and downs. Like I'm a big LaMarcus. Marcus Allridge fan after doing this show. I thought you got great stuff out of him. I thought the Bruce Bowen story was my favorite part. The fact that he called up Bruce Bowen and asked him to get his retired jersey essentially out of the rafters. I mean, it's still up there, like you said. But And to be able to wear the number 12, because in high school, he went 32-0 and and won the championship. And he, you know, that's been his number ever since. Such a Spurs thing that Bruce Bowen's number would be retired. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you know what I mean? Uh, yes, the Spurs have won five titles. And then, like... I'd say the Knicks won a title with Derek Harper. Like, would his number be retired? I don't <laughs> think so. Well, I think that was one of the reasons he was like, okay, calling him. Like, hey, yeah, buddy. Yeah, some small town stuff, yeah. I guess, which yeah. is all right. Do you think Melo gets his number retired in New York? No. If he wins a championship, yeah. Does he have to win a title? I think so. He has to win a title. No, so. no. I don't think he has to win a title. If he, if no, he in the next three years, gets him to a, a second-round playoff again. Yes, Maybe just because no one in a while since Ewing has had their number retired. I don't think that's going to happen for Mello. <clears throat> yeah. Mello doesn't look, I, and I keep saying this, and I hate to dog Mello. He does not look like the Mello of old, and I understand that that's obviously going to change over the years. But recently watching him, he looks a little heavier. He looks a little bit more tired. He just still been playing so well. You know what it comes down to, guys. And this is this is I need to make a line of T-shirts that just says this because it really embodies what's happening Amari ruined everything <laughs> you know like Melo was so killer leading the league in scoring 62 in the garden shooting three like Amari just ruined everything he wasted the prime years of Carmelo Anthony's career yeah punching the fire extinguisher yeah, I mean, didn't help that was either the end of it. he showed up signed with the Knicks when he said the Knicks are back right when they didn't get LeBron and they didn't get by he he was straight from men's warehouse he had a giant cell phone like on his hip and then three years later, he's dressed like Lenny Kravitz on acid. Like, what <laughs> happened? No, like, honestly, like, go through, like, the evolution of Amari Stoudemire's fashion choices in New York, and you will see why he played the way Well, he, he went through a lot in New York, too. Yeah. Like, a, a, lot, a lot of things happened in his life when he was here. So, I'm not that surprised that there was a big evolution when he was here, because New York does that to you. And also, stuff with his family, personally, he went through a lot. You know, that'll change you for sure. Yeah, I, I agree about that. It was already on the down before that stuff happened. But yeah. but but you're right. I mean, and that's the thing, too, with the Players' Tribune, Alexa, that I love, and I know that you've loved about doing stuff with us, is like, you realize that they're real people. That Yeah, okay, I, I joke and say Amari ruined everything, but, yeah. like, he's got a life and family and yeah. has overcome a lot. And, like, you kind of – this show in particular has taught me finally to – to be able to root for the guys in the game of life, but root against them on the court. Right. And I'm able to make that distinction while I don't think a lot of fans are, and yeah. I hope more fans can get to that place. Well, I think when you meet them, it helps with that a lot, right? Yeah. You, you, a lot you, of fans don't get that opportunity. Like, you, people are like, well, Melo, why shouldn't Melo go to Cleveland? He'll win a title. Like, Melo won a title. He got out of Baltimore and has an amazing <laughs> life in New York City with a family and yeah. investments for the rest of it. Like, he, he already won a championship, yeah. really, if you really think about it. Yeah. Speaking but, of another guy who I think that you got great stuff out of, 
Zidanian Tomlinson was amazing. That dude rocks. That dude's super cool. By the way, LT loves himself some LT. Shows up by himself, on time. Again, like Paul Pierce, kind of like laid it all out on the field, said, all right, I'm, I'm the greatest running back of a generation. He did say that. He is, though. Yeah. I mean, that's, no, for sure. You know, Kanye's on Jimmy Kimmel and says, I'm a creative genius, and everyone in the audience laughs. He says, well, what am I, am I supposed to say? I'm not a creative genius? Then right. I'm a liar. Why do you guys want me to be a liar? Right. LaDainian Thompson's the greatest running back of his generation, top five all time, easily. Um, and now wants to be a mixed martial arts fighter, which is insane after playing 11 years in the NFL. That's a little scary to me, though. I don't think he's making that decision with a completely clear head. I think he's been knocked around a little too many times to make sure that that was okayed by like the rest of his body. Are you guys fans of fighting sports like the octagon and boxing and Not stuff? Not really. Right? I love boxing. She's so I saw we were recently in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center and saw the Deontay Wilder KO. Mm-hmm of the Polish guy, Artur Spilka, I think his name is. And it was unbelievable. I've never seen it in person. So I love boxing. And I think it would be insane to see LT fight. But I think he's too big. Don't you have to be super fast to fight in MMA? He's pretty fast. I mean, he's pretty quick, dude. He's very compact. Right. Um, he's really tiny. He's like a but short dude. But is he as dude. fast and his, I mean, I know his lower body is fast. Is his upper body just as fast? I don't, you got to be able to, you know, punch and move around. Yeah, he definitely doesn't have the body type of traditional UFC guys. I don't know if he's actually trying to get in a sanctioned UFC fight. I know Herschel Walker was doing that. Um, I think he just uses it as a training thing. I noticed with a lot of these guys, right after they retire, they go super hard on the training again, mm-hmm. just to kind of, I don't know if it's just something that they can't turn off or they just kind of want to remind themselves that they still got it. Or Notice a lot of your favorite former athletes all over Instagram or in the gym. Like yeah. Heavy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, LT, he he was so good in San Diego. Yeah. Um, and, and is a really, yeah, seems like a cool dude. His wife's got a dog grooming facility in San Diego, like a hotel for dogs uh-huh. or something that he's involved with a little bit. and. He does the broadcast thing on NFL Network. So, yeah, definitely a big LT fan. I have to give you props for keeping up with his workout. You did a pretty good job with that. I yeah. mean, the pull-ups, I was really impressed by. Those are tough. You didn't think I had pull-ups in me. I didn't think that. No, neither did he. Yeah. I was pretty, neither did I. <laughs> I, think, I, uh, I think you shocked everyone, yeah. I've done a lot of shoots over the years where there's like a workout element to them. Uh-huh. And more often than not, producers will say to you, ah, you don't really have to do it, you know. Oh, working out is expensive. I can't go to that Equinox in LA. That was really nice. Yeah. So like, I was like, no, I'm in Equinox in LA. I'm going to get a real workout out of this. I'll that take happened advantage. to me. I was on the uh, Nicole Richie reality show and we did an episode at Soul Cycle and they were like, you don't really have to spin. I was like, Soul Cycle's $40. <laughs> spinning right now. Beast in that class. Any more spinning classes in the future? Well, I, that's why I was late. I was on Class Pass. I was looking up for a flywheel in Midtown, but. Uh, Wow. Classes didn't work out. He's on that. He's doing the sound baths, yep. the Reiki. Yep. You don't know about this class pass? You are so LA. So it LA is now, unbelievable. Right? Oh my gosh. Talking about sound Does baths your New York self hate your LA self? Because <laughs> totally. I feel like that's a huge well, that, thing. I, I looked out is that all of us from New York, we all moved out to LA. So uh-huh. there's no one back here to clown me for my love of all things gluten free. Except for know? me. Yeah. Keep you around. Gluten free doesn't exist. That's oh, I had a gluten free beer over the weekend. I didn't expect it. It was awful. Where were you on the set of Portland? You didn't expect it? What do you mean? To be we're, awful? We went, no, we went out to dinner because I was skiing this weekend and uh, the beer I ordered, they're like, oh, we don't have that. So I just picked this other thing on the menu. I was like, yeah, I'll have the omission, not knowing what it was. 
it yeah, comes omitting gluten. Right, that's what it right. Is. But like, I, if I see a weird name on a beer, I'm like, oh, I want to try it. So I was like, yeah, I'll order that. That's fine. God, but your body, but your body could break down that wheat protein, huh? I, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I drank I drank the gluten free beer and I was just like, this tastes awful. I need the gluten back in the beer because this tastes terrible. Because that's the whole point of beer. It's got gluten in it. Sorry, people. <laughs> yeah, I know. Get back to your vodka sodas if you can't handle beer. No. Yes, it was a, it was a mistake on my part. Speaking of drinking, speaking of drinking, that night I saw you out at Shea Stadium, Game Two against the Cubbies. You were drunk. Wow, it was coming in hot. Yes, it was, and it was Week Five of the NFL, so that's already reason to celebrate. Yeah, and Apparently. yeah, got to stay warm out there. That was woo. Yeah, you like guys are having cold. a good time. Yeah, it was cold. You guys had good seats though. We did. Yes, I'm a, I, out there in left I'm field. I'm a big uh, StubHub like last minute guy like yeah I can navigate the secondary ticket markets really well yeah um so i pride myself on people being like well you're pretty good seats and didn't pay for that much for them you uh-huh. know what i mean so that was a fun night i want to keep going with these guys though because sure. you have such great access who to else, these who athletes else we got? yeah dwight howard and the snakes okay dwight anybody in life who's got like a bunch of snakes a bunch of guns <laughs> but kind of kind of out there a they little have bit to you know be. what i mean and Dwight said that he originally wanted to be a zoologist growing up. He loved animals. He loved Animal Planet. He loved going to the zoo. Um, but then he just kept growing into a seven-foot-tall, like, jacked basketball player. So yeah. I understand now some of the questions about Dwight's desire and his love of the game. And he just told me straight up, like, he wanted to be a zoologist. Right. Um, so he's got 10 exotic snakes in his house. It was raining. There was some storm in Texas. So the whole the whole vibe was like rather ominous. You're um, like on a movie set, essentially. Yeah, and and just in in my head, like this is like you know my father in my head being like, okay, if I get bit by one of these snakes, who's in charge here? Oh, Dwight Howard is. Okay, <laughs> how are we getting to the hospital in the rain? Where you know, like my my dad's one of those people who's like, where's the closest hospital? Right. Like, write an angry letter to the New York Times. Where's the closest hospital? You're gonna go to Jamaica? Where's the hospital? Right. Um, so I'm thinking that, and he has like a real love for these snakes. He, they, a couple of them just go around the house uncaged, um, sleep in the bed with him. No, they don't. Yeah. His, his one curious George like sleeps in the bed. That's the yellow one. Yeah. He's always curious. Always like sneaking into his bed and stuff. (laughs) Super wild. And, no, I and, cannot and, even handle that. And a weird, he does, first of all, Dwight does amazing impressions. Like he can imitate like Hakeem Olajuwon and Kevin Willis and all these guys. It's really funny. But then for years in LA on the radio, I would say, oh, he doesn't want to be in LA. He just wants to be on the Ellen DeGeneres show. He just wants to do the Gangnam style dance with Ellen. And you walk into his house and in the center, like welcome area, the foyer there, there's a giant Lego bust of his head wearing a basketball jersey from the Alan DeGeneres show. <laughs> it freaked me out. What? I'll show you a picture right now. I was like, wait a minute. A so, Lego bust of So himself? I'm like, wait a minute. So you do care about being on the Alan DeGeneres show. I was right. I knew Obviously. I was onto something with <laughs> yeah. that. Did he um, explain to you? Was he like, oh, I really he's like, like this. I love Ellen. That's my girl. I always love going on her show. I was like, oh, t- totally, totally. <laughs> What's going to happen with him? Is he getting traded? Nobody wants him, huh? Yeah, I think that's a problem. I still think for like the right situation, he just has to play defense and rebound, and he could really make a difference on a team. I know, but you're kind of opening my eyes to a lot of the concerns that people have been having and justifying them because he doesn't necessarily want to be a basketball player. He just kept growing, and now he's a 
as big as a basketball player. He also told me that he shared um, like a like a floor at the hospital in L.A. at Cedar Sinai with with again Kanye West when he they both had a baby or something at the same time. Okay, and Kanye wanted like the big delivery room, right? He's like, I want the biggest delivery room, and they're like, Oh no, Dwight Howard's in there. What? And so he <laughs> said that he ran in and just performed for Dwight and Dwight's like lady and their baby and did like a whole concert and then kicked them out so he could have no he was just like so you know emotional because he just had his first kid and life and love and he's like i just have to perform and he just like did a concert in the delivery room for them wow that's pretty amazing that was kind of cool yeah that's like yeah Mm. trying to find i don't even have words right now trying to find these uh these these dwight photos yeah, yeah here look to, we're gonna post look, these on our uh look, on our instagram this account. is this is the ellen degeneres lego bust of dwight Whoa, in his so lob, in his welcoming area who made that ellen ellen put that together I, no her, all legos her people I put that together I, I gotta feel like ellen's people together but i'd like to imagine ellen just like sitting in her studio with like a thousand legos <laughs> just like putting it all together and he brought the snakes on her show I I don't I don't I don't know I don't know if, about that but yeah here he is with the snakes just chilling that was a weird one that was definitely a weird one how were you comfortable putting the not. snake on your body and not knowing that it was going to coil up and choke you to death I, I was not um I, I I like try to like make a joke of it on the episode but <laughs> yeah. I was really shook like I yeah. don't do well with animals I'm afraid of dogs. <laughs> So you are, yeah. I'm really weird. I know you guys have your dogs like on Instagram. I just, I'm, do you hear that? That's how much love Bear yeah. the Dog gets. Your dog on Instagram, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> dogs. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I've, had, I've had a shoot with monkeys before. I shot with a monkey for Pirates of the Caribbean. I interviewed Olivia Wilde on a horse once, which was really scary because she's like an equestrian rider and cowboys and aliens, like totally fine. Right. And I'm like on this, the scariest place in the world is standing directly behind a horse. Uh-huh. And uh, that was a tough one. So yeah, you kind of just have to zone out and realize, all right, if I get bit in the neck, like it's going to be on YouTube and we'll get some views. Like you kind of have to psych yourself up in that way. Did somebody have a, like a weapon standing by no, or some sort of a no, pin? No, to- Dwight was in charge. Like, and there was some snake handler guy there. But he, I mean, he looked like a snake handler guy. So right. that doesn't really instill Dwight confidence. did say several times throughout the episode, oh, he's really got his, his coils around you, or he's really got a hold of your finger, or he's, got, he's, got a, he's really wrapped around my arm, or something like some scary statement he said several times throughout the episode that made me think, like, this is a bad situation. We're talking a lot about energy on this show today. Yeah. Uh, there is some, some energy when these snakes are around. You can feel the tone of the room change, and everybody kind of gets a little tight and a little on edge and they're very receptive to that. Oh, of course. So when they feel that the person holding them is about to shit their pants, <laughs> they just tighten up a little bit. Jalen Rose is terrible at golfing was uh, an episode that you guys did. Jay, terrible at golfing, puts on a great golf event every year. You know, he started a charter school yeah. uh, in Detroit, just graduated his first class of seniors, over 200, 400 of them. Which is amazing. Which is amazing. But um, what amazes me yeah. even more is that the last time he played golf was his last <laughs> charity event the year before. Like, he's not even going to try to play or, like, go to the driving range in between. But he says the same thing at the end of the day. He's always like, it's such a great game. I've got the golf bugs. Sushi and golf. I'm going to go BLA. No, and he never plays. But that's a, yeah, I, I've been to the event a few times now. And sometimes at charity events, like what you're there raising money and awareness for is lost in exchange yeah. for a fun day or whatever. 
but you meet a lot of the teachers from the school. You meet Jaywin's mom, who's very instrumental in his life, and and you see a lot of the students are there. So you kind of get a good feel of of what JRLA is all about. And those kids go to school all year long. Um, he helps them out when they graduate and placing them in colleges. And yeah, it's super cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was, and I mean, listen, I went to Michigan. I'm obsessed with the Fab Five. The fact I know this dude at all yeah. is crazy. Again, to our make your 12-year-old version of yourself proud. Yeah. I, I would have been very proud of that episode. At the beginning of that episode, you were interviewing fans and talking to them about who Jalen Rose is to them. And you were in Michigan, so it made sense that they know yeah. him very well. But I was also thinking about it. And I was wondering if a lot of those fans only know about the Fab Five because of the 30 for 30, or they actually remember the Fab Five. Because a lot of them were saying stuff like, oh, they wore the baggy shorts, they wore the black socks. And I'm like, that sounds like you took the script from 30 for 30 and you're reciting it. Detroit doesn't have much going on. That's true. Michigan doesn't have... So not that it's a bad thing, but I'm just saying it sounds like it. No, some right. of these younger, younger generations just don't really remember it. But think about it, you know, they go nuts for the Lions. Lions stink. Yeah. Like, the Lions have never won anything. And they have probably one of the more loyal fan bases in the NFL. Like Michigan's hurting. And so they hold on to their sports really, you know, near and dear to them. And also, you know, the ripple effect from the Fab Five culturally. I mean, guys like me and Peter are influenced by them, you yeah. know, and people in Detroit, people all over the world. The game of basketball really changed. Um, guys like Allen Iverson in the NBA, you know, just kind of culturally changed after the Fab Five. Yeah. So I, those guys are going to live forever. Yeah, it was just the person in me wanting to make sure that those people understood and watched and had seen more than, the, than just the documentary, that they were aware of the culture and everything that went yeah. along with it. The big dude was like, I played against Jalen in like seventh grade. Everybody had a story of, oh, he went to that school. My brother played the the Super Friends in AAU and da 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 like, Everybody was connected somehow yeah. to them, which is pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing. It was, it was super fun. You okay. also got to go wedding tasting for Evan Longoria's wedding, I guess, and I, with his fiance and the wedding planner. Everyone was there. Again. It was a whole table full of people. They're like, you don't really have to eat the food. You don't really have to drink. I was like, why? I'm going to eat this killer food and get drunk. Yeah, like, the best part awesome. was the pigs in the blanket came out and you're like, how many of these can I eat? 65 and a half? <laughs> Does Peter ever do that with like random things? Is that like a dude thing? I, I always think about like, uh, over a 90-inning game, I could eat 11 hot dogs. His I thing could. is wings, so wings, yes. right? So, yeah. okay, so from a, a Redskins game from start to finish, he could put down like 112 wings. Yeah, for sure. You know, this is definitely a guy thing. It's a guy thing, yeah. right? It's like, how much of this can I eat? Yeah. Go well, to IHOP, unlimited pancakes. How many pancakes could I eat? Well, the answer is 13, and then your friend goes for 14. He throws up in the uh, parking <laughs> lot, so. <laughs> yeah, so I was pigs in a blanket. I mean, first of all, appropriate for any occasion. Or mitzvahs, weddings. Well, they when they were the healthy hot dogs, so the L.A. part of you probably loved that. L.A. Right? hot dog is right. It's like a gluten free bun the on glu- the, pa- the gluten the pastry. Yeah. yeah, it was a it was a grass fed hot dog. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was like that was one too. Where I don't know. All right, you you're you're further along this this road of life than I am. You've been you're married, right? Mm-hmm. Is your wedding tasting like a special thing? Um, not really for us. Right. I mean, I just felt bad. I was like, I'm crashing one of your guys' moments in oh, like, your whoa. life. Yes, that definitely was a special moment, and you totally crashed it. <laughs> yeah, I totally like third wheeled their like wedding. T- but like, is that a moment like an engagement party? Is yes. a moment you stepped your into wedding a- tasting. Yeah, it was very inappropriate for you to be there. I wasn't there for like the 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 uh, <laughs> trying on the dress. Like that's like crazy. You might as well have been. It's pretty much I, the same I, thing. Are we gonna put the wedding tasting on the same level? No, as trying I'm, on just the dress? I'm just kidding. I'm just. 
kidding. But um, yeah. it is kind of one of those moments that like the two of you sit down and you share like, ooh, do you think Grandma Helen would like this? Do you think all of our friends from this part of our lives? Do you think, you know, you kind of like go through all of the guests that are going to be there and you kind of talk over it. Whereas at this wedding tasting, it was just you <laughs> talking as much as you could about like your George Foreman grill present that you bought. <laughs> It's good to get a guy who's making $800 million in George Foreman. Guy. I actually thought it was – they seemed impressed. I thought it was a good present. You know, Evan Longoria is a, a, an interesting dude because he's a big star in his sport. Yeah. But if he were to walk through Times Square, would anybody stop him? Which was a good question that you asked the fans in the beginning of the episode. Would you recognize him? Yeah, that's no di- disrespect or knock at him. I think it just no, speaks volumes to the sport and how they market star players. And yeah. Playing in a small market like Tampa and – um, yeah, I, I, I think that was Mike Trout, who's probably like the biggest star in baseball now. If he stood on the corner of 48th and 3rd, would anybody stop him? I feel like people, I think I feel he, like people might from Mike Trout. I think Trout and Harper, people recognize. Really? Yeah. Just starting to cross over like that, huh? Yeah. Well, just, I should just think just of those two. big of a guy Maybe Trout Harvey. is, too, and you see a lot of him. Yeah. Who else are, that you're friends with that are athletes, celebrity athletes, do you you know hang out with? Are you buddy-buddy with? Um, uh, My favorite... One of my favorite people is Nick Swisher. Nick Swisher uh, just has this like bro mentality about life. And he's so just, I don't know, exciting to be around. And he's just, his enthusiasm is infectious. You know, you go, you all right, Alexa's at the games, right? And they go around the diamond and the guys have a pre-shot video. And they're like, you know, Tino Martinez, first base, you know. Derek Jeter, shortstop. Alex Rodriguez, third base. Hey, what's up? It's Nick Swisher. I'm playing outfield. This is crazy. Shout out to my mom. Like, Ohio, what's up? Like, that's amazing. Like, that's how everyone should do it. And yeah. He just, yeah, that guy's the best. So he's shout got out a to big him. personality. Yeah, shout out to Nick Swisher. So are you guys are still close, even though he's in Atlanta? Yeah, I saw him at a wedding like a month ago with Joanna, his wife, who uh-huh. I've known of, interviewed. She was on Gossip Girl and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I, I see and talk to Nick a lot, actually. He's great. Is it weird for you? I mean, going back to your 12-year-old self, is it weird for you to now be friends with professional athletes that in, on teams that you'd rooted for your entire life? Yeah, it's 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 definitely weird. I, I'm not close with too many athletes. You know, we work with a lot of them at the Tribune, but yeah. there's definitely a distance, and I think it's maybe generational on some level. Um, but there are certain guys who who you, I've gotten to know from working at the Tribune. We've done a lot of stuff with, the CJ McCollum or Sean Merriman and stuff. Um, but that's, you know, that's the like entertainment business and sports and entertainment are so closely connected. Yeah. So I, I, I always thought it was weird when they were actor friends and you'd see them have success and um, see people's careers or see the way people like uh, ch- change around them um, is really interesting. You mm-hmm. know, um, friendly with an actor, Miles Teller. I interviewed him for uh, a movie he did called Rabbit Hole with Nicole Kidman. She got an Oscar nom. This is years ago. It's like his first thing. Uh-huh. And seven years later, he's on the cover of GQ and Fantastic Four and Whiplash at the Oscars. And you're like, that's a that's a bro from Florida who loves the Philadelphia Phillies. Yep. Like, it's just funny. And it's awesome to see people kind of have that rise. And then you realize I'm still the guy standing behind the rope on the red carpet. <laughs> I remember, this is a funny, I remember uh, this it was two years ago when Foxcatcher played at Cannes. Uh-huh. And Channing Tatum was like, dude, how crazy is this? Like, I'm in a movie at Cannes. Like, I'm on the red carpet here. It's like, God, it's so good to see you. Like, you know, we've really just kind of come up together. And I'm like... I'm still like standing doing the same exact job. Like you're in a way different place than Guide to Recognizing Your Saints, which is a great Sundance movie he did like in 05. Uh-huh. But that was, I was like, I appreciate the the gesture, but you're really wrong on this one. 
But speaking of the Players' Tribune, so a lot of the people that work over there, Jamie, the president, they're fantastic people. It's Jeter's website, and you get to work with him, you know, every once in a while when he comes through. What's your relationship like with Jeter? He's our founding, you know, uh, founding force behind the site. It was uh, He was the one who announced it, and he's amazing. He, he has an un- unbelievable understanding of storytelling, uh, of kind of recognizing what's going on in the culture and who we should be going after. Um, and he, yeah, the, the fact I have a relationship with him is pretty funny. I remember sneaking out of school, like to go to Yankee parades. That yeah. was like a, 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 it was an annual thing every fall in New York. I wasn't even a Yankee fan, but you'd cut class to go downtown. And, you know, my dad being such a big Red Sox fan, um, at our, at our launch event that you were at last year, yep. um, we were doing radio and I'm doing something with Derek and my dad just like jumps over the barricade <laughs> shows Derek his watch, which is Red Sox watch, a gift from the team, he likes to point out, a Red Sox hat, a sticker on his cell phone, his tie. Oh, my God. And like Derek didn't know who it was. I'm like, (laughs) sorry, it's my father. You'll get to... Now they have a funny relationship, which is great. Oh, that's awesome. um, Jeter's a good sport about stuff like that. Why why would you not be? And I equate it with, like, you know, some of the A-list actors I've done stuff with over the years. People say, like, do you get nervous when it's Matt Dane? Like, no, those are the easy ones. Because why would they be a jerk? Like, they have no reason They're the good people. Yeah. The ones who are kind of angling for work or what will this movie do for my next thing or the ones who are in it like we were talking before they can be a little problematic but i mean god that guy's key to the city for life like he's fine you mentioned channing tatum and matt damon you're working with josh jumel on a new movie right yes. that you're producing and that he is starring in called the spaceman or spaceman, spaceman. yeah okay uh, tell josh, me about this josh plays bill lee bill lee pitched for the red sox and expos uh, during the 1970s, was actually on the cover of High Times while he was in the majors. So which, he's a stoner. Which, yeah, he's a big pothead. He's a big Buddhist, a meditator, uh-huh. uh, and it's just a wild, uh, wildlife story. And still pitches professionally to this day in his late 60s. Where? Wherever he can. Wow. If there's a local celebrity game somewhere and they reach out to him, as long as he can hit, he always has to hit. And he'll bring his glove and his cleats and he'll get on the bus. And he, he has the Guinness Book of World Records for the oldest player to win a professional game. Wow. Uh, some like $100 beer league or something. <laughs> Guy ran, pre- uh, ran for president with Hunter S. Thompson. Just a character of the game. How and did you get involved in this? So Josh and I have been friends for a while and, and he'd always wanted to do a sports movie. And, you know, he's getting a little older and he said, I got this opportunity to, to play Bill Lee. Have you heard of him? I was like, of course. Like, I know who Spaceman is. Again, my dad being a Red Sox fan. Um I knew I knew who he was, so my dad and I called the Hall of Fame, and they gave him the official Bill Lee file that he used on set to sort of help him with the research. And I visited on set. It was a really short shoot, like 19 days in L.A. Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters is in it. Eric uh-huh. Eric Gagne, an executive producer, Cy Young Award winner, as uh-huh. uh, as is Ron Shelton, who did Bull Durham and you know White Men Can Jump and all these great sports movies. So then I saw the film, and when it was done, it was like, oh, yeah, I can help out. So they brought me on as a producer, and now we're out there, and uh, yeah, we're going to be releasing it this summer. Well, so congrats. I'm, I can't wait to I'm, see that. Yeah, I'm That'll really, cool. it's really cool, and it's and it's fun just to see like a forgotten story get some attention. You know, people might not be familiar with him, or, oh, yeah, I think he won 17 games as starting pitcher three years in a row, which is pretty good. Pitched game seven of the World Series yeah. the year, the Carlton Fisk home run. So he's a real player. 
um, and a real character. And and a lot of this, you know, off the field stuff is really, really fun. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. All right, well, that'll be interesting. So we wrap up every podcast with our guest and myself both telling an embarrassing story. Ah, so, we already went through I was the downfall of American media. That's nope, true. that wasn't embarrassing enough. No? You got to come up with a good one. So I'm going to go first, and then that'll give you some time to think about yours. Okay. So mine, I'm going to throw back to high school when I tried out for the field hockey team. And tryouts were going good. I, you know, I felt like I was pretty much a lock for the team, but I wasn't 100% sure. And I was really nervous the day that the list went up. Our high school was very much like a movie. Every movie you've seen about high school was like my high school. That's how our high school was. So all the girls gathered around. The coach put the list up on the door and I'm scrolling through. I'm scrolling through. And one of my girlfriends sitting next to me, her name was Kit. She saw her name first and she freaked out. She ran up and down the hallway. She's jumping up and down. She goes ballistic. I'm scrolling and scrolling, and I finally see my name, and I, because I'm a freshman and I don't really know, know what to do, I copy Kit, and I start running up and down the hallway. We're jumping up and down. We fall to the ground. We're screaming. We're laughing. I mean, everything that you could possibly do to celebrate making the field hockey team. So I go out in the parking lot, and I hop in the van that my mom had pulled up in, and I forgot that my friend, who had also tried out for the field hockey team, was getting a ride home with my mom that day in the car. She was already in the car. She didn't make the team. And I got in the car having just put on this awful display in the hallway of celebrating and being a dick. And then I get in the car and she's sulking. And my mom is like trying to, you know, make her feel better. She's crying. And I get in the car like, hey, mom, what's up? I made the field hockey team. <laughs> and my mom's like, you are such a, you know, she didn't say it, but her look is like, you're such a little asshole. Your friend Christy is sitting here, you know, obviously devastated that she didn't make it. And you're just a little brat <laughs> acting like it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. Whatever happened to compassion for other people? What happened to Christy being more killer at field hockey? Like yeah, you should be, it up. you should be excited for what you achieved. Don't let someone take that away from you. That's I felt moment. so bad though. She was my best friend. Man, we people, were going to play people, on the team together. But she didn't live up to her end of the bargain of being killer enough to be on the team. Apparently not. But I felt bad. It's an embarrassing story for her. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <Real> Christy. <laughs> All right, Ben, what's your embarrassing story? All right. Um, being that this is like a, like a podcast for hosts and right correspondents and people tell sports stories and stuff. Yeah. I got a job once to go up to the Palm Springs Indian Wells tennis tournament to host a Fila tennis fashion show. Okay. And I'm just starting out my career and I'm like, sweet, I'll drive up there. I'll host the opening of an envelope. Why not? So I get up there. Not every tennis player's name is as easy to say as Serena Williams, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So, and I, I, I'm 25, 26. I'm like, I'll figure it out when I get up there. I get up and, oh, wearing uh, the latest Fila tennis fashions. You know her as the 21st ranked women's tennis player in the world. It's uh, Unka Znakuliskis, you know, it's a... <laughs> And I, I, by the third or fourth one of these, I'm getting in the Palm Springs tennis community is like old swinging desert people. They're all their faces are leather, you know, boo, go back to Hollywood, boo, sit down. This is a disgrace. All right. Coming up next, um, Yanka Sleptova. I just had, to, I was like, I got, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry guys. I got, I got to go. Oh my God. I literally just bounce <laughs> i didn't say goodbye to every, you know you host an event afterwards everyone's like it's great it was great right it was great it was great did a good job oh thank you thank you and take a picture i was like i just i i gotta go and i just like 
I just got in my car and left. I never talked to Felix. Like Did it. you take like all the brochures with your name as the host on it with you? Like, all right, I'm taking these with me. No one will ever Man, know I was here. That was tough. Unbelievable. Well, you've yeah. made a great turnaround since Did then. Okay, right? Ben, Look thank you that. so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank I really you so much for having it. me. Go Mets, uh, you know, and, and and go Rosenberg family. You guys are crushing it. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. You can follow Ben online at I am Ben Lines. Make sure to also check out Red Bull at RB Studios NY. We are online at Alexa underscore NYC. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. It's That's What She Said podcast on YouTube and iTunes. Sheldon, Kyle, thank you both so much for being here. And let's go get a snack.